0: Welcome to the Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright.
1: Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. We'd like to welcome to our show today, for the very first time, Toby Lofton, Managing Principal and Portfolio Manager of BP Capital Fund Advisors, with investment strategies focused on the energy sector, following specifically the strategy of the well-known, even legendary Boone Pickens, legendary energy investor. Toby speaks to us from the headquarters just outside of Dallas. Toby, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio.
0: Hey, Charlie, thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here.
1: Love that Southern accent, Toby. I was uh, born in, in Birmingham. It just reminds me of all my relatives and how they sound here. So, Toby, you're uh, out of the Air Force Academy. Then you got a master's degree in finance from the University of Texas at San Antonio. And uh, you've been focused on the energy sector ever since with a uh, time with SteelPath Fund and elsewhere. Currently, uh, BP... Capital Fund Advisors is currently the sub-advisors to the Hennessy BP Energy and Midstream Funds. So first question here, Toby, uh, with you guys uh, being started and basically owned by Boone Pickens, does that mean that you have to be an Oklahoma State Cowboys fan to work there?
0: You know, ironically, there are no Oklahoma State grads who work at the organization, <laughs> but we are fans. And <laughs> we, we like one another a whole lot.
1: Uh, hey, I, I bet, I bet. So give us a brief background of yours, will you, and BP Capital uh, Fund Advisors.
0: Okay, sure, Charlie, thanks. I, you know, I was born and raised in Lake Charles, Louisiana, the, the heel of the boot of Louisiana, and uh, I did attend the Air Force Academy, served uh, as an officer, and then got into the capital markets in uh, 1999. And, uh, you know, my road led me to Dallas and eventually met the, the folks at BP Capital back in 2003 in and served them for many years as an outside uh, research provider and then joined the firm in uh, 2010 as part of the investment committee for the family office and the hedge funds and then ultimately with the, the support of Boone. Uh, building out BP Capital Fund Advisors. And the the, uh, the genesis of that really was that we thought that the expertise we had in-house was largely deployed for the benefit of private investors and funds, and, and we thought it would be appropriate to to make that uh, more available to the public. And so that's where you, you see the, the uh, Hennessy BP funds, and then uh, we also have a uh, an exchange-traded fund, uh, that's actually the ticker symbol that is, is Boone, B O O N. So we'll talk more about that, but that's uh, a, a brief background of myself.
1: You know, uh, Toby, uh, we had a, somebody else on a couple of years ago from the, um, from the oil industry, and he told a story about Boone. He said, he asked Boone, he said, Boone, well, what does it take to be successful in the oil business? And he said, Boone said, son, he said, being successful in the oil business. Is simple, but it ain't easy. And if you're dumb, it's really hard. Does that sound like Boone?
0: It does. Look, the first day I got here, it was April 1st, 2010, and I was here real early in the morning, and and he came walking down the hallway, and I heard his footsteps, and, and he poked his head in my office, and he said, are you making any money yet? And I mean, I, was, I popped up out of my chair, and, and I, I looked at him, and I said, Yes, sir, I'm, I'm fixing to. I'm getting positioned to do so. And we popped in there and went to our, our first morning meeting. And, look, he, he is extremely committed to winning, and he has done that by studying the energy markets and knowing it better than anyone else. He calls it an inch wide and a mile deep. And so that's how we do it around here.
1: Hey, well, uh, that's g- great to hear, and no question about it. The whole energy market is such a large portion of uh, the U.S. Uh, GDP and uh, the U.S. markets in general, and uh, it, it depends on and, and it creates opportunities and jobs galore. So, uh, you know, when prices go down, it's bad for the economy, but it's good for the consumer because they're paying less, and when the prices go up, it's good for the economy because it employs more people, but it's bad for the consumer. So whatever happens there, uh, you know, it, it has its uh, its benefits and opportunities. So tell us about uh, your investment strategy and basically how it
0: works. Yeah, well, Charlie, one thing that we noticed when we surveyed the landscape of available uh, products that were dedicated to energy, uh, particularly in the, in the Morningstar category, we saw that there was a, a tendency to be married to the upstream. Let me unpack that phrase. What that means is that most energy strategies focused on the upstream portion of the value chain. So they were involved in exploration and production companies and oilfield field services and sometimes in refining. But look, the way that things have changed over the last decade plus here in the U.S. means that you have to look at energy through a different lens you need to, to be more inclusive of the value chain so that the end users would be considered for inclusion in uh, the universe of, of potential choices for the portfolios. So, so Toby, uh,
1: upstream being exactly what for those of us not in that industry?
0: Yeah, if you think about just the flow of a hydrocarbon, meaning let's take an, you know, a barrel of oil, comes out of the ground, that's upstream, and then it flows downstream, so it's got to go you know, beginning with up, then it touches the pipe, that's called midstream, and then you get to the downstream, which is the refiners, that actually process the crude into gasoline and diesel and other products. And then ultimately, an end user would be you know, a trucking company that that uses the diesel to, to, uh, to transport goods to, to to Walmart so you and I can buy them. So there's a whole flow of, of the supply chain. We call it the value chain. And so um, as a result of, of that view, we've given ourselves the latitude – in the Tennessee BP Energy Fund to go across that whole spectrum of companies, so that when things look a little bit more grim on the on the uh, for the supply side, we can move to the demand side, and vice versa.
1: I see. Okay. So heretofore, what you're saying is that uh, people have been focused on the exploration and pumping it out of the ground, whereas you guys take a look at the midstream and the downstream also to include those limited partnerships to do transport and uh, even down to the, the
0: end user. Correct. And our midstream fund. So we have an energy fund that's full value chain, and then we have a midstream fund that focuses on what we call core midstream. So gathering, processing, uh, Long haul pipe and, and storage, and some LNG terminals and, and things of that nature. But we'll get into that later in the conversation because there there's some nuances that I, I think will will be helpful to discuss.
1: Okay, so how are you guys unique in the marketplace? You you, you focus on the full value chain, but but that's generic uh, a generic phrase to, to most of us here. So what what makes you unique that you can describe to us novices in that industry?
0: Well, look, I I think that understanding your core competency and where you're able to add value is critical. And for us, look, we are dedicated to energy. We eat, breathe, and sleep it. It's our DNA. And the organization, going all the way back to Boone's founding of Mesa back in 56, there's such goodwill that's been formed with the industry. So as we collect information and form a mosaic, we, because of our dedication and history, feel like we we are we have an edge in that way. And then taking all of that, the privilege of that, that information and that view and incorporating it into what we call a repeatable investment process where we identify themes, then we look at the companies that, that are related to those themes, we do our valuation work, and then we implement into the portfolios and continually are monitoring and potentially changing the portfolio. So it's a combination of knowing our stuff, because we're dedicated, and then driving that that car, if you will, by a repeatable investment process that's very disciplined. And that's what makes us different.
1: Okay. So now you guys, you call yourself uh, a capital fund, BP Capital Fund, but you're advisors. So are you investing through private equity? Are you investing in private companies? Are you investing only in publicly listed companies, including limited partnerships? Whom do you invest in?
0: Yeah, thanks for that. Question: Charlie, to clarify, we the funds only invest in publicly listed equities. So we have a sister organization that is private equity related, and and we we share uh, resources and information when we're able to. But BP Capital Fund Advisors is fully dedicated to publicly traded equities.
1: Okay, and you invest at any given time. You're invested in about how many of those?
0: Right. So in the energy strategy, the general range is between 25 to to 35 names. Uh, The the percentage weighting in each name can be anywhere between 2 to 5 percent, give or take. And then in the midstream strategy, it's typically 20 to 25 names. And we have a a, a convention where we either have a a 3 percent, a 5 percent, or a 7 percent allocation, depending on our level of conviction within the name.
1: And are you uh, in oil only, or I'm sure you're na- also in natural gas and other things?
0: So we we are in the full hydrocarbon uh, chain and and look at each one of them uh, you know, very specifically. We, right now, we're we're more excited about the the oil related uh, producers, just simply because of where oil prices are, uh, and and that gas is 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 a viewed largely viewed as uh, oversupplied at least for now, and we think that that's worth following and, and that could change you know, in the maybe intermediate to longer term. But we're involved in all of it.
1: Okay, and I presume you're, you're uh, long only. You guys don't do any shorting or any of that kind of thing in your strategies?
0: That's correct. In the, in the, uh, the funds, the mutual funds, we, they're long only.
1: Okay. And uh, interest rates. Uh, I remember when uh, interest rates... Uh, uh, started to rise. That uh, people said this was bad for uh, many of the companies in the uh, in in the energy industry because they're so capital intensive. Is that fairly accurate? And if so, how do you guys deal with that?
0: Yeah, you know, Charlie, I, I think the best way to to approach that topic is to really ask the question: Why are the rates going up? Usually. What, what we, we find is that if, if rates are rising, it's due to an increase in economic activity, which generally means that you're going to need energy to, to meet the needs of demand. And so in most cases, and, and even when you go back and look historically of the midstream equities response to interest rates, you would think that if you just looked at it myopically, that if rates go up, then midstream is, is hit. Uh, or suffers uh, in terms of pricing, that's not the case. And, and part of that is because with increased economic activity, you have increased throughput of oil and natural gas that is supporting the growth of the economy. And so we're, we're not, we don't consider that to be a, 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 a factor that um, uh, concerns us. It's more important to understand why the interest rates are changing. And that's how we, we view view in our investment
1: process. You know that, that that's a great point, and most of us are fairly myopic and looking at those things. So continuing on uh, th- that uh, that thought process here, what what misperceptions uh, do you see, Toby, uh, by investors and their advisors in uh, looking at and investing in this space here?
0: Well, like, what, one of the things that we get. Often, Charlie, is the, the idea that electric vehicles are going to uh, take over the, the transportation market, and that oil demand is going to fall by the wayside, and that you know basically oil demand has peaked here. And what we would tell you is that, that that's just simply not the case. And when you look at the numbers, you're 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 looking at an extremely small percentage of global oil demand. Call it at, at the current moment you're looking at less than 50 basis points of global demand in terms of the the oil consumption that's being displaced by electric vehicles but what we think is even more important than that is understanding the other part of the demand picture which is petrochemical it is widely accepted within the industry that one third of all oil demand growth by 2030 will be from petchem and will be roughly half half of oil demand growth by 2050 will be from from Pet Chem Demand. So I'll tell you a quick story, Charlie.
1: Yeah, but before you do that, Toby, uh, define that a little better. I didn't really follow, uh, you know, petrochemicals, the demand. What what, what are you saying here? I'm not following.
0: Yeah, okay. No, thank you for stopping me there. It's a good point to clarify. So when you look at a, a plastic bottle, water bottle, the feedstock or the elements that are used to create it come from oil derivatives. And in, in general, there's two different components that, that represent that feedstock. It's either naphtha, which is a, a light-end oil derivative, or ethane and propane, which are more closely related to, to natural gas. But either of those two can be the, the precursor to plastics. And even in some cases, it, Polypropylene is used in the production of the fuselage of aircraft and, and things of that nature. There's a, a whole lot that, that's misunderstood about that uh, particular part of the marketplace. And so with rising demand from India and China and other Asian um, economies in terms of the per capita energy demand, we believe that that is going to happen. Like over time, pet chem demand is going to represent more and more of the overall growth.
1: Great point. Okay. Thank you.
0: Yeah. And just the the quick story that I was going to share is that I'm from a little town called Lake Charles, Louisiana. And a few years ago, uh, SASOL, which is a, a South African synthetic oil limited company, decided to build an ethane cracker facility and spend over $15 billion to build that facility because... They knew that natural gas liquids, the ethane and propane and, and, and related hydrocarbons, were going to be abundant in North America. And that spot in Lake Charles was a good spot to position themselves for the next 40, 50 years to take advantage of it. And so there's a whole a whole slew of examples, but I just, I chose that one because it's in my hometown.
1: Sure. And uh, so, so tell us, what major objections besides uh, electric vehicles do you get from advisors and uh, from investors? Because everybody knows, uh, you know, <laughs> our world lives on oil here. And, uh, you know, it, it ought to be a no-brainer that uh, people who know that industry are well-positioned to be able to invest wisely and purposefully here.
0: Yeah, look, the the main objection that we get is that energy is just too volatile, it's uninvestable, and, and they view it largely as a trade as opposed to a long-term holding. And look, we, it's hard to disagree with that if you just look at the, the E&P and services side of the coin. But that's why we have a balanced approach. That's why we incorporate the end users and, and not just the upstream. But the other backdrop uh, point to make is that, In Shale 1.0, we were largely in a land grab phase where the drill, baby drill mentality was being applied. And Boone has a funny quote about this. He he says, giving cash to an exploration and production company is like giving a head of cabbage to a rabbit. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to chew through it. (laughs) That's what they do. Right. Well, but but now we're entering into what we call Shale 2.0 where it's a, a more of a mentality of show me the money. I want to see capital discipline, return of capital, and on capital, and I want you to spend wisely and not just drill for the sake of growing. And so as we enter into that phase, we believe that we're going to uh, enjoy a, a recovery in the energy sector that we haven't seen in a long time.
1: Well, very interesting, and, uh, you know, for for many reasons, that's not especially the best thing always for the, the retail, uh, the, the, the consumer, but certainly for the economy, that is, uh, you know, th- th- that's very important and can be very, very helpful. So how do you see all of this playing out over the coming years for the industry and then for BP Capital Fund Advisors?
0: Well, one of the things that folks lose sight of uh, just given the, the the tendency to look at the, the immediate picture, is that in the second half of 2014 through 2017, there was a, a reduction in capital expenditures around the world because of lower oil prices. And particularly the non-OPEC, non-U.S. part of the, the supply for oil has been neglected, meaning that Long lead time projects that typically take three to five years from when they reach the investment decision to to drill to when they actually produce, many of those projects have either been canceled or postponed in such a way that holes in the supply growth picture are going to show up in 2021 and 2022. That is really important because here we are with decline rates in the United States associated with the horizontal drilling are much greater. Think of it like a treadmill. It used to be that our decline rates were 5% per year. Well, now they're closer to 20 to 25% per year. So there is going to be a, uh, a need for supply to meet that oncoming demand. And that's in the context of Saudi Arabia announcing their highest budget number in history at $295 billion U.S. dollar equivalent which means that they need at least north of $75 Brent prices to balance their budget. So those are more intermediate, to longer-term topics that people tend to forget, and that's why we think you need to be a long-term investor in energy going forward.
1: You know, it, it would be hard to argue with those those points here, uh, Toby. Uh, do you guys focus primarily on advisors?
0: We do. I mean, most of our, our practice is... Uh, Folks that are independent registered investment advisors that have their own firms. We also do business with the major wirehouses, but we also have institutional investors that entrust their their capital to us. So it it, it ranges, but we most of our customers are RIA's.
1: Okay, so l- let's change the focus just a little bit. Tell us in your uh, years of investing here, what's the best advice you've ever heard, read, or received about investing?
0: Well, look, I I'm, I am part of the the family of BP Capital, and Boone has taught us you know, from from day one that you outwork the competition, not necessarily by the number of hours you work, but by deep familiarity with your domain. You do your homework. You be a good teammate and partner, and you do what you say you're going to do. You trust your teammate, and you work together, and. And things will work out. But you know, sometimes the ball doesn't bounce in your favor. But if you're doing your part and doing your homework and understanding your area of competence, well, then you will you will largely uh, things will, will will go well for you.
1: Great advice. I'm sure every football coach, you know, would agree with that and say, Hey, things are not always going to bounce your way. And sometimes you're going to get bad calls from referees. But overall, that's the way life works. And, uh, you know, that's certainly uh, what I told our our seven kids uh, many times. Don't know how much of that really stuck, but uh, it's great advice for for anybody here. So a question we'd like to ask all of our guests here, uh, Toby, what keeps you awake at night?
0: Yeah, Charlie, look, I, to answer that question directly, generally nothing keeps me up <laughs> at night. And and let me be really specific about why I'm, I'm saying or answering it in that way. If, if I'm increasingly relying on myself to carry the load of the team or, or whatever I, responsibilities I have and not on the provision of the Lord, and that includes my team, well, then things don't, don't go well if, it, if it's more about me and less about the team. And so look, he tells us in the word that we can do nothing apart from him. So when I attempt to do things away from him, then things don't go well. And I just I rely on that truth. You know, if the Lord doesn't build the house, then we labor in vain. And, you know, we, we rise early in the morning and stay up late toiling for food. But he grants sleep to those that he loves. So that's that's my answer to that.
1: You know, Toby, I uh, I in particular love that answer and really, really appreciate it. Uh, the The second question we like to ask is what book on investing would you recommend for our listeners?
0: Well, you know, again, I'm going to go back to the word and I'm going to say, look, there's there's this big topic that Boone and I have talked about for years about, like, what is there such thing as luck? And some people call it the residue of skill and some people describe it differently. Like I, I go to the book of Genesis and, I, and the story of Joseph and how he, he, he used his insight from the Lord and his skills to serve the broader good. And it, it reinforces the truth that, that God's sovereign over all and has the power to, to exalt whoever he chooses. So you know, we can't predict oil prices, but uh, we do our part. We do our homework. We walk humbly and, and let the chips fall where they may. Now, I will say one more thing, that one of our teammates, Tripp Rogers, has written a book, and it's a great book. It's called Wrestling Old Man Market, and you can buy it on Amazon. And it is a compilation of all the lessons that he has learned over the 20-plus years of investing uh, at at the firm where he spent the most time before he joined us.
1: Okay, very good. So so give us the, the, the name of the book and his name again quickly.
0: Sure, it's called Wrestling Old Man Market. By Trip Rogers with a D. R O D, G E R S, and he was a college wrestler at the University of uh, Cornell and was extremely competitive. And uh, he took some time off after a very successful uh, portfolio management role at a local firm here in Dallas. And in that time off, he wrote this book, and it, it's a it's a great uh, you know, kind of debrief of his his viewpoints.
1: Okay, and Mr. Market being the stock market.
0: That's right. Yeah. Okay. The analogy of wrestling old man market.
1: Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, that has not been recommended by others and sounds very interesting. So for those who would like to know more here, Toby, give us your website and contact information, will you?
0: Sure. Yeah. So website is bpcfunds.com. So bravo, papa, charlie, funds, plural, dot com, And we also have one other website. It's tboonetf.com. That's T. Boone ETF, there's only one E in there, T.
1: Okay. Well, thank you very much. Uh, final words for our listeners here, Toby.
0: You know, I, I'm going to share a quote from Boone where he says that the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. But the second best time to plant a tree is today. So if you didn't plant one then, do it today. And I would, I'd recommend that same idea for investing in energy. We're in shale 2.0. Come join us on the journey.
1: Hey, that, that is great. And I think, uh, Toby, I used that quote uh, either last week or the week before in a different interview here. So uh, it shows I'm in good company. And I uh, did, didn't even, wasn't even aware that Boone uses it also. So, Toby, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And our best wishes to you and to BP Capital Fund Advisors and what you guys undertake to do here in the energy
0: sector. Grateful to be with you guys. Thanks. Thank you so much, Charlie.
1: So again, we've been listening to Toby Lofton, Managing Principal and Portfolio Manager of BP Capital Fund Advisors. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio and OC Talk Radio, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. And we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at info at And you can go to our website to hear podcasts of all of our interviews and shows, strategicinvestorradio.com. I'm Charlie Wright, wishing you an enjoyable week and productive investing. Strategic Investor Radio is a production of OC Talk Radio and is provided for educational purposes only content of this program and the views of the guests should not be considered as recommendations by oc talk radio or investment advice from the host charlie wright or any other entity attached to this production investors should always consult qualified financial investment tax or legal professionals prior to
0: investing